Fight Pass. UFC Fight Pass presents Extra Rounds. Live from the Fight Pass studios in Southern California, here's your host, TJ DeSantis. Extra Rounds. It is Extra Rounds, courtesy of UFC Fight Pass. TJ DeSantis, along with the lovely Pearl Gonzalez on this Saturday afternoon. It's rainy here in Southern California. Why are you leaning that way? It, when you get on one hip, guys tend to release things, generally. So, I don't know what you're doing, but it looked a little bit odd, and I don't know why we're already at this point of the show, Pearl. What are you doing? My God. I, like, I feel like I'm like not aligned, and I just wanted to fix it so i was just trying to see there you look good you look good that's why i said i've never called you lovely on the show ever oh you're so sweet yeah almost as sweet although you although you just literally insinuated that i was reaching over to part yes in public yeah well i didn't i didn't say you were i said guys generally like when i do that there's no question about it we know what i'm doing when you do it i don't know I don't know. Hey, there, so there, there was a phenomenal main event. It went five rounds. Oh it was originally God. slated to be a uh, middleweight bout. Ended up being a light heavyweight bout. And, and Pearl, honestly, I don't even really know where to start here because there was a lot of narratives about what sort of uh, Paula Costa we could expect and, and would his performance uh, be impacted by the, uh, the the lack of a weight cut or did he cut a lot of weight? Um, you know, We'll talk about the finer points of Costa's performance uh, as well as Marvin Vittori, who he walks away with his hand raised tonight, um, 48-46 uh, on the scorecards, which is sort of uh, a bit misleading because there was a point deduction uh, early in the fight uh, that took a, a point away from uh, Paulo Costa. So really, this fight was uh, 48-47 without the point deduction, and that really sort of does tell the story. It was an incredibly close fight, but one that the Italian dream walks away with. And uh, I'm just curious, your thoughts over the course of 25 minutes, we were really treated to uh, something special here on the Saturday afternoon. Absolutely. You saying tree is like, you're sure it was such a fun fight to watch. And I think I, I'm, I know I'm not the only one that that thought this fight wasn't going to go the full five. And uh, the entire fight was insane, right? Because when you saw Costa and if Costa would have come out like he did in the fifth round, in the first or second round, I think you and I would be sitting here and, and, and talking about a completely different fight. Yeah. The body shots, the power, the size, the strength was was very obvious who had the advantage there. And Costa, every time he threw these shots, right, these kicks, the body kicks, the head kick that actually landed, the, the, the body shots, the hooks, you know, all of his strikes have so much power. And um, we didn't really get to see him open up until later on in the fight. And then that was very interesting to me because had he have come out like that in the first round, again, this would have been a completely different fight. Now, without, without you know, giving Costa all of his credit here in this fight, we cannot go and, and not talk about what Vittori did in this fight. And Vittori was incredible. Start to finish. He didn't have the power. He was very, very aware aware of that but you know what he stood he kept the pressure on him and one thing that I wasn't sure of um was 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 definitely some of the success for Vittori tonight is why he was standing in Costa's perfect range where Costa could land this body shot could land these hard shots the the right hand I mean he was right there in that range did not leave it rarely moved backwards kept Costa on his heels kept him against the cage and pressuring him 
did great, a great job throwing these combinations. And, and ultimately, this was like a slugfest, which was so interesting because we know Vittori has other skills and we know he has other, other strengths in this fight. But he was like, you know what? I'm here to prove a point and I don't, I, I'm, I'm here to stand right in front of Costa and bang. And, yeah. and that's and that was what we got tonight. And really, I was sitting there as it was unfolding, Pearl, going, what is Vittori doing? Because this was a very close fight. And I don't care what sort of condition Paula Costa is in, whether he's fighting at 205 pounds, 195, or obviously where he's had all of his success at middleweight. When he lands, especially the way that he dug to the body tonight, your night can mm-hmm. be over instantly but Vittori was able to get through it I'm curious if Marvin Vittori though you mentioned he didn't necessarily have the power to stop Paula Costa if Costa were forced to to cut down to 195 or this fight took place at 185 pounds do you feel that you know getting hit the way that Paula Costa did on top of a weight cut could we have seen Marvin Vittori get his hand raised via stoppage tonight if Costa was forced to cut that that weight potentially absolutely Absolutely, because I mean, the gas tank on Costa looked amazing, and and in the first and second round, I have a feeling that it wasn't necessarily his his um, conditioning or, or where he was physically. I think it was more nerves, and and you saw him walk out, and he was on fire. I mean, everybody, I'm sure, was on the edge of their seats when Costa walked out. He went to get right in Vittori's face. I mean, he was he really came to fight, and that's what made this fight so exciting. And so in that first and second round, you saw Costa kind of start to take some deep breaths, slow down a little bit, and, and you know, commentary was suggesting that he was already gassing. But what I think it was, I think it was just the moment, the big moment, the, the nerves, the, you know, the, all the energy, the pressure, the lights, all of that was just, just kind of taking place and him kind of getting settled in. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, I think that – they could have potentially, Vittori could have gotten a finish in this fight had the weight been cut because, yes, your body is depleted. You deplete your body of all of its nutrients, its minerals. Your organs are the biggest thing that take the the damage and the, the hit from the weight cut. You know, the body recovers, the muscles and, and the, the lymphatic system can recover in 24 to 48 hours. But the, the uh, excuse me, the organs and the, hold on, the non-sympathetic nervous system takes non simple what what are you talking about dr gonzalez i'm so lost and it's your involuntary so you're the way you blink your eyes your heart beating your organs that's your that's your non-voluntary okay sympathetic nervous system right that takes the biggest hit it takes five to seven days to heal from a weight cut had caused to have cut 20 pounds he's not walking in like yeah. he did tonight so yes absolutely the the weight was a, a very significant part in how this this fight played out any idea how long the body takes to heal from a Paula Costa shot to the liver? Cause oh, my God. This is all I'm thinking about is thank God that Marvin was a Southpaw and was taking all of that damage where his liver was not, yeah. right? Because he took some huge body kicks. Oh, my goodness. I mean, all yep. throughout five rounds. I mean, this is like worse than a bat. I mean, it's like a fright train hitting you. And uh, what I'm curious to see is can he lift his arm? Tomorrow, later today, or for the next week, because all of those were going here, and he did such a great job. Although he was taking these shots, and he was in that perfect range for Costa to to land and damage him, he wasn't. He wasn't reaching out his elbow. Now, if he would have brought his forearm out here, the arm would have broke. The forearm would have broken half. But but what he was doing is he was kind of taking it tight to the body here and taking the kick 
this way. So like the meteor part of your forearm was taking it. Now, don't get me wrong. It's damaged. It's right. 100% hurt. But had he have turned out his arm here, brought it out and checked it in any other way other than the way he did, we would have probably saw him break his, his forearm. Yeah, I think a lot of people fail to realize how devastating those kicks are, even when they don't, quote unquote, hit their intended target. Obviously, you're trying to hit the body or hit the head. But I mean, how many times have we seen broken arms and broken forearms due to those body kicks? I mean, th- there's an old saying. I remember Mike Goldberg used to say this way back in the day about Maurice Smith. It's like taking a baseball bat at 80 miles an hour. I don't know what the actual analytics are on speed or pounds per square inch, but I do know that when you throw the way that Paula Costa does, you may block those kicks and it's still going to ruin your day. Oh my God. They're generating through the arm, through the bones, through all this. And it's still hitting the core. I mean, he felt some of those kicks for sure. We saw them. We saw the impact and the, the, the wear and tear in that fifth round. We saw him kind of hunch a couple times. You know he was much more hurt than what he played off to be. I mean, Marvin is such a veteran at this time, and he, he looks so good tonight. He weathered the storm perfectly. He, he dealt with all of the pressure and all the chaos and animosity that Costa brought because, you know, a lot of that is how Costa fights. That's just him, his persona, his, his demeanor. I mean, he's a hurricane. What did we call a soul snatcher? Like a... He's a hurricane, and Marvin was able to weather the storm throughout this entire fight week, as well as in this fight. And so hats off to Vittori for such a great performance. And Costa. Costa came right. in, and he came to fight. Yeah. Uh, she's Pearl Gonzalez. I'm TJ DeSantis. This is Extra Rounds here on UFC Fight Pass. We're wrapping up the card that saw Marvin Vittori get a decision over Paula Costa 48-46 twice across the board. Again, there was a point deduction early uh, in the match uh, from Costa for inadvertently uh, poking the eye of Marvin Vittori. So uh, obviously a, a lot to talk about. You know, what could have gone different uh, for for both of these fighters had the fight been at 185 pounds. But now I'm just kind of sitting here going, Pearl, is this maybe the first chapter of these two? Like, we, we had a very good, exciting wow. fight. Should we have a rematch? Should it be immediate? I mean, I think we're going to get a rematch. I don't know how long it's going to take to get there. But anytime you put Paula Costa and Marvin Vittori in the octagon and schedule it for 25 minutes, uh, I think people are going to be interested and show up. Absolutely. I mean, that would be an amazing fight. But I think that Vittori, he won the fight tonight. Yeah. He deserves that credit and he deserves the respect to move forward. I mean, he just took out the number two guy in this division. He was number five coming into this. He's deserving of whatever's next, whether it be number three or, or whatever he has to do to, to continue to climb the rankings and get back to that title shot. Um, and at this point, I think that Vittori respectfully deserves to move on and move forward. I think the Costa needs to, to we, you know what? I'm also very interested to find out what was the reason. And that's what Costa said, yeah. is that we would find out after this fight, the reasoning for the weight cut. You and I talked about this earlier in the week. And, and it could have been, there could be a lot more to this story than just him being lazy and unwilling to make the weight cut. There could be underlying health factors. Who, who knows what it was? We don't know yet. I'm very interested to find out the story and, and why he was unable to make this weight. And um, and I think that Costa needs to kind of build from here. This was a great performance from him. He also weathered the storm. He did a great job with this pressure. You know, he did great with, with losing out in gas and then coming back in that fifth round and, and showing he does have a gas tank and he does have an, a heart of will and uh, – heart of iron or you, whatever you would like to say. I don't know. Yeah. Right. No. <laughs> no, I mean, you bring up a good point because right now we're talking about, you know, Paula Costa being the, the bad guy this week, you know, having the weight change and 
you know, he, he was impressive regardless of, you know, weight issues. He was impressive tonight. As you mentioned, was still very game and was throwing heavy uh, power uh, along with volume in that fifth round. Um, despite, as you mentioned, uh, or as you mentioned, uh, Michael Bisping and Paul Felder sort of, uh, they were quick to sort of criticize the uh, gas tank uh, of Paula Costa. And I think for good reason, because when an athlete is talking about, you know, not wanting to cut weight, you know, there's something wrong. And, and Costa said there there was something amiss. We'll find out what it is. Uh, our uh, producer, Frankie, uh, keeping his ear low to the ground uh, during the press conference. Uh, also, keeping his eyes peeled on uh, Twitch. Uh, if you have a question tonight, you can uh, put it in the Twitch chat, and uh, Pearl and I will uh, will talk about it. Um, I, I guess one comment already, uh, one Twitch user asked, what type of wine Costa uh, should get tonight? I, I mean, I don't know if that is, uh, you know, maybe making a, a joke about him maybe whining about the weight or I, the man is a wine no. connoisseur. I know that. No, 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 no. So after the Izzy fight, he said the reason why he didn't show up and why he had such a terrible performance was because he had oh, too much wine. That's right. That's right. So that's what he's talking about. And I think that he's deserve very deserving of some wine tonight. Yeah. So I, I hope he does get to enjoy some. No, uh, as, as you mentioned, uh, this was a, a heck of a fight both ways. I mean, obviously, Costa does come up short. Uh, the night belongs to uh, Vittori, which, you know, sort of brings me to the rankings here. Um, obviously, Israel Adesanya is still your uh, undisputed middleweight king. He's taken on Robert Whitaker uh, coming up here a little bit later on. Um, but Paula Costa now, you know, going to be dropped down from that number two spot. You got to believe that number five, Marvin Vittori, is going to move up. Vittori has fought Israel Adesanya. Uh, in his last fight, but now back in the win column. I mean, losing to, to Izzy, there's no shame in that. With Vittori winning the way that he did, does he sort of immediately get back into that picture, or does he have to fight at least two more times before we're talking about him uh, fighting someone like Izzy? You know, I, I think that you can always... He, he's definitely going to move up in the rankings, and you can always look to Vittori to come in. He shows that he's here to fight. He's here to be challenged. He wants to be tested. He just wants to be the best, and he believes one day he will be champion, and I firmly believe that. However, he just had his opportunity. And we have, if, if you saw those rankings, we also have some very deserving and, and great candidates for, for a title fight next. I believe it's uh, Cannoneer and, and Brunson are competing next, correct? Yeah, they're they're definitely in that mix as well. So I mean, yeah. it's so not I like we have an each other though. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that one's official yet, but uh, I mean, he, here's the the bottom line is this: you know, this is a division that for a very long time you know, couldn't really get contenders fast enough to fight someone like Anderson Silva. Now we have uh, a lot of contenders that you know some have had their shots already, but I'm, I'm you know honestly, oh, oh. whether it be Costa or Vittori. I wouldn't hate a rematch. You know, back in the right. day when Anderson Silva was lording over the division, it was like Rich Franklin over and over again, it felt, because Rich could beat, like, all the contenders but just couldn't get past Anderson Silva. Now, here in 2021, I feel like Izzy's done a really good job at holding the, the, the contenders down, but these guys can beat each other on any given night, and it's not going to take much to, to rebuild one of those guys back up into a title fight uh, with with uh, with Israel Adesanya. And I mean, I'm sorry, I don't even want to like gloss over the fact that Robert Whitaker and Izzy are going to fight again, and it's a phenomenal match to say the least. I, I can't oh wait. Oh my goodness, that is such an exciting fight. You're right. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm talking over you, um, but you are absolutely right. And I also think that. 
he Izzy's done a great job. I mean, he's almost he's cleaning out this division, and that's what he wanted to do. He's he's got three of those top five that he's already beat, and it's it's you know he beats them in in such a way like very he shows how much higher in skills. I don't even know the word. You need to help me find a word for this. Like how much better he really is when he steps in. He's just another level. He's elite. So elite. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, so, he's, the, he's the cream of the crop. It doesn't get any better. Uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. I want to give you this nugget. Uh, Frankie just passed it uh, along to me from the press conference. This makes the uh, the win even more impressive uh, by Marvin Vittori. Um, fight time tonight. Marvin Vittori weighed in uh, at 208 pounds. Paula Costa was 220 pounds coming into wow. tonight's fight. And uh, Dana said that he believes that Costa is going to have to fight at 205 pounds moving forward, which I don't think is a bad thing at all. I don't think Paula Costa is going to be outsized at 205 pounds and, and really believe that uh, he, he's a nice addition to that light heavyweight mix. Uh, but, but getting back to my main point, for Vittori to eat the shots that he did from Costa late uh, at 208 pounds uh, from a guy who's, you know, 220 pounds, you know, fighting at 220, Paula Costa's, you know, a decent sized heavyweight, honestly. Like, they fought a light heavyweight right. tonight, but there, there are guys that fight in the heavyweight division at 220 pounds. So, uh, uh, even more impressive uh, is Vittori for walking through some of that power. Absolutely. I mean, he did such a great job. And you could see the power difference in, in, from, from each of these gentlemen when they were trading in their shots, right? But the best thing that Vittori did tonight was his volume and his ability. When he was able to position himself, he was able to get the leverage and the striking to land these shots that were snapping Costa's head back. And I believe if he would have done a little bit more of that, he would have had much, he would have landed much more um, significant strikes. But he was just, I mean, he was taking the bull straight on tonight and he, he was standing in Costa's perfect range and literally just trading with him, trading. Instead of utilizing some of that, that he was quicker, we could tell he was the faster and more elusive opponent here, uh, elusive athlete. So instead of using that, that movement and, and ability to move his body, to his benefit, he was like, no, I'm here to, that's how, that's how game, how much game and, and, and much of a powerhouse that Marvin is, so to speak. Like he was like, no, I'm fighting this dude in the pocket, in his face. And I'm going to take his best shots. I'm not going to back up and I'm going to trade. Um, and again, when he was able to outposition Costa, I mean, we saw Costa's head get snapped back with that, with that left hand yeah. several times, even the hook landed a few times there. Um, so, yeah, and that was what his corner was calling for, especially in that third round, Vittori's. They were asking him to put together his shots, to go back to his combinations and, and volume and, and not stand right in front of him to move and, and utilize that positioning. Looking at uh, Frankie's comments here, we got uh, some performance of the night uh, turned in. Uh, June Young Park and uh, Gregory Rodriguez um, getting uh, that fight of the night bonus. Oh. Marvin Vittori and Alex wow. Caceres uh, both getting uh, performance of the night bonuses uh, as well. You know, let's let's jump a little bit out of order here and, and talk about uh, a phenomenal fight featuring uh, Alex Caceres because uh, tonight he gets the win, rear naked choke over Sungwoo Choi. Uh, in a fight that Caceres was, was badly hurt um, and then uh, was hurt due to an illegal knee, uh, Chris Tognoni able to uh, identify that and uh, really sort of make sure that Caceres took a step back and, uh, you know, gathered his wits about him because 
these athletes are fighters. I, I don't need to tell you, Pearl, that your instinct is always to say, yes, I'm fine. Because if you don't, more often than not, the fight is taken away from you because you're rendered not able uh, to continue. Uh, Caceres ate that hard knee and and stopped from, I'm sorry, I, I believe it was uh, referee Jason Herzog, actually, uh, that, that intervened there. I, I said Tonioni, but um, uh, Herzog did a, a phenomenal job uh, making sure that Caceres gathered his wits because had he continued, had there not been a point deduction and and the respite given i think alex Caceres probably wouldn't have been able to continue he was he was close to probably being stopped because when they broke Caceres walked to the neutral corner and he was on really wobbly legs um but but was able to come back and, and do what he does best and and you know go from striker to grappler and he got that submission what were your thoughts on uh the performance turned in by bruce leroy Oh, my goodness. This was a crazy fight. First and foremost, let me just commend or what's the word? Like, give a big shout out to the referees today. I mean, they had some very interesting um, calls to make throughout these fights tonight. And, and there were just some very precarious situations. And they handled it so well tonight. They yeah. handled this. They, there were several fights that I saw tonight where the referee really had to come and intervene. I forgot which fight. There was another fight where a point was t- taken away. Trinaldo. Um, Trinaldo's very, fight. Yeah. Yes, Trinaldo's fight, um, and there was a couple of legal knees tonight. So, I mean, they just did such a great job tonight with with mediating the fights, man. Hats off to the referees tonight. They were on point. Yeah. But for this fight, absolutely. Like, this was a crazy and insane fight. Caceres was hurt. He got caught by – how do I say his name? Hold on. Hold on. Alex Sung- Caceres. Oh, oh, Sung Woo Choi. Woo Sung Woo Choi. There we go. Yes. Sung Woo Choi. Okay, so Choi's um, – he had a right hand out of hell. I mean, yeah. he landed this right hand on Caceres, and it was his right hand, right? I believe. Yes, he landed the right hand, and that's also the the, the beginning of when Caceres was almost at the end. I mean, he he sat him down immediately, and it's and and um, Caceres came in, and he had the style points right. Immediately came in this fight. He's land, landing these fancy head kicks, just throwing lead leg kicks. You couldn't even tell they were like a jab. Slapped Choi in the face several times with it. And then, and, and Choi was doing such a great job in this fight of weathering the storm. And, and at this entire time while he was moving, Caceres moving and, and, and doing his, his movement and, and throwing these kicks, he was just reading and taking measurements and reading. And Choi found the target, landed his big power shot, put him on his ass, put Caceres on his ass, right? So as soon as he puts him on his ass, Choi immediately goes on top and starts to to land and, and attempt to land big power shots and just just take take them out and, and, and end the fight. And what happened was Caceres did a great job of weathering that storm and immediately began a scramble. And as he began this scramble, this is when Choi landed this knee while Caceres was down. I mean, and it, it put him right back out. Yeah. And it, it dazed him. And so it was interesting because I believe right before the knee was an eye poke. Uh, I didn't. So I didn't did, see that, but I, I. I mean, eye pokes were for flying fast and furious tonight. So you might. You might have caught something yeah. I didn't. So he just. He just caught an eye poke. Just had an eye poke. He took his time, and the referee. Uh, what's his name again? Tell me his name. Tell me his name. Jason Herzog. Herzog. So Herzog did a great job. It was like, take your time. Like, yeah. Don't rush back. You know, like, and giving him that, trying to just encourage him to just not rush back into this fight. The fight starts immediately. Gets dropped. Boom! And this TK, then this the legal knee comes. So it was just kind of a really hectic first round for Caceres, and second round coming into the second round again. Choi is finding his target. He's definitely one that's landing the big power shots. 
And Caceres, you know, just jumped the back, took this risk, jumped on his back standing and got the rear naked choke. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. And and that's one thing I want to really drive home to is is going back to the performance turned in by Jason Herzog, because as a referee, you never want to make a decision that is forced to have a a detrimental impact on on the decision. Right. Like if you take a point, you got to be sure that you're, you know, right doing so. And a lot of the narrative in situations like that is do I take the point? Or do I not take a point? When you look at protocol and the unified rules, it says, essentially, if there is a foul that impacts uh, 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 the future performance of an athlete and it's intentional, you are forced to take away a point. And beyond that, sometimes you can even take away two points, which if you are because you can take away any number of points you want to. It's up to the referee completely. We have seen times where uh, referees have taken two points in, in one fell swoop. Um when you're doing that, I start to worry that if the fighter's performance is going to be so greatly impacted that you need to take away two points, the fight probably needs to be stopped. And if that's the case, then it's probably a disqualification. Uh, but Herzog tonight, I think, did a, a fine job taking away that point, but also ensuring that Caceres had the proper time to re, you know, recover and, and, and have that rest because sometimes I've, I've seen this in the past where referees become so you know, focused on the idea of whether or not they should take away a, a point that they never really get inside the head of the athlete to be like, are you okay? Are you as, as recovered as you're going to be before I, I start this fight again? Because it doesn't matter how many points you take away. If you start a fighter who's not prepared or physically capable of continuing, the score's not going to matter. You're not going to get there. And Caceres, I think, was was very close to possibly being stopped if he was forced to yeah. go through that fight any further. Uh, but he took his time. And, and again, this is why I love mixed martial arts, because Alex Caceres was on wobbly legs, could hardly stand up was given the opportunity to recover from an illegal blow, which, by the way, if it doesn't happen, Troy might just straight up finish him already. I mean, we were very close to that fight being stopped. But uh, Bruce Leroy able to uh, recover and and gets that rear naked choke stoppage in round number two. But all the credit in the world uh, to Jason Herzog. This was his uh, first sort of decision tonight that was impactful. Uh, I mentioned in the uh, main event, uh, he took a point immediately uh, from uh, Paulo Costa uh, for an eye poke. This goes back to what Chris Tognoni did in the uh, Trinaldo fight where he called Mm -hmm. out Trinaldo for or, you know, having his fingers extended. And, you know, this is the issue. Um, in mixed martial arts over the years, Pearl, we've seen a lot of athletes do a foul, the same foul, two or three times before they have a point taken away. Tonight, on two separate occasions, we saw a point deduction on the first eye poke of the fight. Now, that said, there were multiple warnings prior to the the, the eye pokes that uh, caused the points to be taken away. But I, I like the decision by the referees, both Tonyoni and Herzog, to go, look, I, I warned you, you still allowed a poke to happen. Uh, you got to be in charge of your, your digits taking away a point. Absolutely. And I think that the other thing was even the illegal knees. There was a couple of illegal knees tonight. And I thought traditionally, like, this, these fights were called from the illegal news, especially before. So um, tonight, well, it depends. So they were, it depends if the, if, if the athlete was, can continue. Got it. So 
both referees did a great job with these illegal knees with giving the the athlete the proper amount of time. And the thing is, is it's not necessarily like the fighter wants to go in and, and fight and and or immediately, right? And they're not at their wit's end, which is why I really like how how they handled these situations because as a fighter, your heart, the way that I've exp- the, described a fight being in a fight is like a car crash over and over and over and over again. And if you've ever been close to a car crash or in a car crash, you know, that feeling that when the anxiety hits or when, when your adrenaline starts, heart drops, that's what's happening in this fight. So as a fighter, they may not necessarily be wanting to fight right away. They're just in that moment. And there's just the adrenaline is going it's like, okay, I just got to keep going. I got to keep going. I got to keep going until this fight's over. And so hats off to the referees for kind of taking some time, reminding these athletes like, hey, you have some time, relax, take a breather, make sure you're good to go before you go back out there. Um, and that was that was really amazing to see tonight. Yeah, the uh, other fight we were talking about was uh, Francisco Trinaldo, Amasa yeah. Nduba. Uh, he defeats uh, Dwight Grant via split decision. Um, the point deduction was uh, there, so this is this is interesting. When you look at uh, this fight, um, Trinaldo uh, he won twenty nine twenty seven, but when you do the math, he won every round on two of the judges' scorecards. So mm-hmm. when you see that score, it, it looks a little bit odd. Uh, but I, I want to talk about that that point deduction in uh, question, uh, Tonyoni. He deducted a point from Masaranduba uh, immediately. It was the, the first eye poke of the fight. But again, he had mentioned to the Brazilian multiple times, you know, keep your yes. fingers straight up. You can't, you know, have your fingers uh, extended. And, um, you know, that has sort of been the, the knock against referees over the years, that how many warnings should you give before you take away a point? What is a, a soft warning compared to a hard warning? Do those both of those versions of warnings need to take place before the point deduction? Um, we had one warning. Uh, we have the point deduction. Uh, I mean, you don't need to remind athletes that they can't poke each other in the eyes. Let something everybody knows. You know, and I, I think what played a big part in this was the the effect of this eye poke in this particular situation here. Grant was like, as soon as he poked, he got poked in the eye. You saw in the replay, his eye immediately start to water. Like, he couldn't see for a minute there. It looked like a pretty serious poke. And even as he took some time, doctor came in. And it was interesting. The doctor gave him a cloth. I don't know if they put something on the cloth and this is something new they're doing. But yeah, they I'd never seen that him. before. Yeah, they put that on his eye and they had him, you know, take some time and, and see if that helped the eye, um, which is really awesome, right? Uh, and uh, even as, as he... He had all this time off and he had this, this cloth to help him out. And you saw him go back into the fight. You could see his eye was kind of like, it was like a crazy eye and it was kind of going in like every direction. So it was kind of interesting. You know, he went out there, hats off to Dwight for going out there and, and finishing out the fight. Um, but it was, it was, I think, I believe that was the reason why there was an immediate point deduction in this. We did hear him warn him prior to this. Yeah. Was but that the, the right call? Like, do, you, do you like the immediate point deduction after yeah. the warning? Yes. I do now. I do because it was like a re. It was a pretty. It was a bad pipe. I, I poke. Yeah. No. One hundred percent. Now, here's the issue with the idea of taking away the point. At the end of the day, 
if you take away a point, it should be for a couple of reasons. One, if the result of the foul is detrimental beyond uh, you know reasonable doubt, where you know you get poked in the eye, uh, maybe it's just uh, you know a, a blinker, like you, you wipe your eye and, and you get back into it. Maybe you don't take away a point deduction uh, for that. The other sort of question, though, would be it comes down to intent. I, I don't think Ronaldo tried to uh, poke him in, in the eye, but the reason that I think the the point deduction was warranted was because Chris Tognoni shouted it out. Like he said, look, uh, this is going to end in an eye poke. Change this situation or there's going to be consequences. And again, an eye poke didn't occur before that, but the writing was on the wall. The eye poke unfolds and Tognoni well within his right to take away uh, a point. Now you, I call the fight that you were in where the fight ended due to an inadvertent eye poke. It, it went to a technical decision because I think it was in the fourth round of a championship fight. You did not get a point taken away. Uh, the reason you didn't get a point taken away is because there was no intent there. You didn't try to uh, poke Vanessa Porto's eye. Um, and, and you can argue that the fight ending the way that it did, you know, obviously there was a bad result, so they had to go to the technical decision, but that also wasn't in your favor either. You you received no benefit from accidentally poking your, your opponent in the eye. If anything, it actually hurt you because the, the fight was over and you, you dropped a technical decision. But I do think that all the athletes know you can't poke your opponent in the eye. You got to be mindful of your fingers. And uh, I mean, I don't want to see just every single accidental eye poke pearl end in a point deduction, but I do like the referees being a lot harder on it than soft. Well, you know, what happened in this fight was he, I believe this happened in the second round. I'm, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but in the beginning of the fight and throughout the fight, he kept telling him to, to, Put his hands up. Right. Close his hands or get your hands up. And he kept warning him about it because he was coming in this way. And so I think that was why he took the the uh, point away again because of the damage that was done from the eye poke and from him warning. It was a combination of everything. If if if, yeah. if the eye poke happened and was as impactful as it was, but there were no warnings, I don't think he would have had a point taken away. But Tonyoni did everything he could to try to avoid that situation, and it still happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, bottom line, uh, you got to do something uh, about that if you're uh, a fight. Like, that's the thing, though, too. Eye pokes are accidental. I don't, I don't think that Trinaldo was doing it on purpose. I don't think he was trying to get uh, an eye poke on, on, on Dwight Grant. But I do think that um, we, need to, we need to move in some sort of direction to try to mitigate this because... It, it's it's a common occurrence in fighting with, with these gloves with you know your fingers being exposed and the way that people uh you know judge distance and range and and, and kick the way that they do you're gonna put your hand on on your opponent's face there have been talks about having a more curved glove um there are athletes that have come up and trainers that have come up Tre- trevor whitman i believe has a a modified mm-hmm. glove um I don't know if there is a quick and easy sort of fix-all pearl that we can make everyone just wear a new glove and eye pokes go away, but I got to believe that there's some truth in some sort of science that can at least help the problem or help the situation in, in one way or another. Well, the issue, too, is, is that when you have your hand wrap on, you know, your, your hand wrap, you, your hand gets wrapped, and so now your wrap is kind of your hands like this, naturally, right? And then you put a glove on that has this curve, right here mm-hmm. and then it makes your hands kind of go like this and so naturally this is the way your hand sits so when you're coming out like you see my hand it's just natural for my hand to be here so when i'm reaching here you can see that 
it's it's very natural for me to have my hands here by having them up. I mean, you have to strain your hand to keep your hands up. So when they're reaching, you know, a lot of it is 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 unintentional and it's due to the wrapping and then the glove. I don't know if there's an answer for this. Um, I think that this is a part of the sport and the way we have to to deal, you know, this is something that comes with having open gloves because if you do make the glove more curved, now you're starting to affect the grappling, right. the ability to grab and, and, and ability to move and utilize your hands, which is a big part of mixed martial arts. So I don't, I don't, I personally today don't know. I don't have an idea on, on how we fix this, but it might be something that we have to deal with. Right. You know, really. I, I, I'm just wondering if it's not something that maybe the UFC can't try to invest actual money in and, and, and try to maybe do something with people at the PI or, or, or something like set up a home base where you try to put some actual science into reformulating uh, the glove. I, I know a lot of people like to bring up uh, Pride FC not having a lot of uh, eye pokes because they had a much more curved glove. And I think there might be some truth to that. But whenever I hear anyone say there weren't a lot of eye pokes in Pride, uh, I always am quick to remind them that Pride over the course of 10 years did something short of like 800 fights. The UFC does 800 fights in a year. So the UFC looks like it has more eye pokes because they just have way more fights. It's not necessarily the glove is is better or worse. It might be. I mean, the the UFC's glove might be more conducive to creating eye pokes than, say, the Pride glove. But um, it's not a fair sample size. You you can't look at Pride um, doing, you know, 800 fights or whatever and, and say, look, they didn't have any eye pokes. Well, I mean... The UFC has, I don't even know how many fights they've had at this point, but like I said, it's its around the same amount that Pride did in 10 years. The UFC does uh, in one year, which is pretty insane. Um, let's go back to uh, some other action tonight. Uh, in our co-main event, we saw a lightweight contest between uh, Ricky Glenn and Grant Dawson. Uh, this was a fun fight. It was uh, one that ends uh, in a draw, Pearl. When I, I look at the, uh, the uh, what, what, are you, what, what are you laughing at? I was yawning. Oh, you're yawning? It's all right. It's all right. You had to wake up early today, too. Um, (laughs) When I look at the draw, it's a majority draw, which it seems uh, like a weird thing. People don't totally understand what that means. Um, Two judges scored the bout a draw. One scored the bout for um, Grant Dawson. Um, I I think the only way to really have a draw in this fight is scoring the third round, uh, 10-8. Uh, for Ricky Glenn. Um, But a lot of that comes down to the body language of Grant Dawson after the bout uh, is concluded. He kind of goes you know, they're on the floor. There was a choke situation. The, the bout ends. Um, you, you see Glenn get back to his feet quickly. Dawson takes his time and almost seems a bit out of it. Um, I don't he know. Was. I don't. He was was he it. compromised to the point, though, Pearl, where if the fight goes another 30 seconds that he is going to lose? He would have been put out. I mean, he had on an, a great, a perfect choke. It was in tight. He had the neck cranked, you know. He had, he had all of his body weight and pressure on top of the head, and then he was using his forearm to pull the body into him. He had the leg cinched up so that the, he could not get out of this positioning. And what Grant was not doing, and he was probably because he was tired and because that's clearly what happened in that third round, um, is he wasn't utilizing his arm. When you're in a darts like this and you're in that situation and they have your leg, you can't use your body, right? I, I don't have my hips. I don't have my legs. And this, the only thing that I have to go to is this arm, this far arm that's just usually sitting here because this, this is what's cutting off my, 
my carotid artery here. And then their forearm is over here cutting down this side. So the only I have in this position is to take this arm to try to wiggle my way through and find a post on a hip. You, I find a leg sometimes, a knee. And you just post. And what this does is hey, it just gives you just a little. I, I don't mean to cut you off. You're driving me crazy with that microphone because you're, you're choking yourself and your microphones are moving around in your ears. So just be careful. Don't disconnect. Yeah. Don't disconnect because you're, uh, you're getting too technical with my us. Thing? Yeah. Okay, okay. okay, so anyways, the, the only way to really defend, to defend that choke is you have to utilize this arm. This is all you have here. This is your lifeline. This is what's cutting off. So if I can find a way to either get my, my shoulder a little bit here, this creates just a little bit of space here, but you have to post on the, the leg, the shin. I mean, you find anywhere to post on, and this just gives you a little bit of time. And he wasn't doing anything. His arm was limp. His face was going purple. He looked, If he would have been in that choke for 10 more seconds, he would have probably been, he would have probably gone to sleep. Yeah, and and that- so that was a big reason why that fight, I think that third round was so big was because of that. And yes, he laid there and he was like, oh my God, like you could tell he was not very coherent. You could tell he was on the way out as well. And, um, but my question is my, my question though, Pearl, is that information that we glean after the fight ends? Do we turn in a scorecard based on that? Because yeah, body language. Yes. Why, why do you think in any fight at a decision, you see both fighters immediately getting their hands up. The coaches are picking them up. I mean, for me as a fighter, I've known this anytime my fight goes to a decision in that third round, get your hand up, regardless of what, what just happened. Look fresh, look like you're, you're ready to go another round. And, and, and there's a reason for that. That's yeah. the last impression that you are leaving on this judge after this fight. That's the last thing they're looking at while they're calculating all these numbers. They're, they're re analyzing this entire fight they're looking at you yeah. so it is very important to you know to, to at least and what body language expresses is how you feel he did wasn't very confident in the end of that fight no no he seemed to be pleading his case to ricky glenn more than anybody that he was fine which i thought was sort of interesting as the two athletes uh, embrace one another in the middle of the octagon as they waited for the decision now i don't know what the protocol this would be a question for someone like mark radner i don't know what the protocol uh, is necessarily you're driving me crazy touching your ear thing like that it's really loud i'm trying to put my earring in oh, okay Sorry. that's all right you know, I mean, you, I mean, earrings are definitely essential to this being a great, great broadcast. So I'm not going to be mad. Um, oh my God. But, but what I will say is, I, I don't know. Again, this is a question for Mark Radner. I don't know if body language is, is something that you're supposed to judge after the fight or even are allowed to. But the bottom line is this. Judges are looking to get the right answer. And if you give them any sort of information they're going to utilize it whether they're supposed to or not. I mean, we're talking about a sport where if you have, I remember this was a big factor for, for Clay Guida. It still is when he gets hit just a little bit, his hair goes flying. So every shot looks like it lands six times harder than it actually does. But, but also he's in like constant frenetic movement that I don't even know when Clay always gets hit because his hair's always kind of moving around but hair can you know sort of sway a judge on whether or not you're hurt um you know body language again i would think that judges are generally better than you well that guy raised his hand quicker than the other guy at the end of the fight so i scored it for him i i, I don't think they're influenced that easily but they are influenced and uh, you might as well throw as much as you can at them absolutely i think that it, it, it it's the body language and it's also 
There's a hidden factor in here that, that many people, especially if you've never been to a fight or if you've never been in a fight yourself, that don't really understand what's happening in, in this fight. And that's the energy and what's happening. A fight can look like this fighter over here is winning. And at the same time, that very same fight, you can feel the energy of the other one that looks looks like he's winning diminished and right. you can feel the energy of the other opponent. And this is such a big piece of, of what's happening is the energy. And in the, and it's even down to right where the cage is like that. You can feel the energy exchange between two fighters. I mean, this is ultimately what this is. This is an energy exchange in this, right? And so when you feel a fighter is not confident, right? No matter how great they look and in, in on the camera, you can't necessarily feel what he's giving off. And I think that that was probably, you know, just, I wouldn't say it was a big factor. I think that that was a, a very big round for um, not Dawson. Was, was, yeah, Rick, Dawson, Rick, no, for oh. Dawson. Which one? Yeah, the third round. The third round? The third round was a big round for Dawson. Yes, absolutely. Grant, right? Grant, no, uh, uh, Glenn. Ricky Glenn. Glenn. That's yeah. all right. That's all right. I mean, t- teamwork makes the dream work, Pearl. We'll get there. We'll get so, there. So, Glenn, it was a very big round for him. I mean, he had him in a very tight Darce, I'm telling you, if that fight would have won another 10 seconds, I don't think Grant would have made it out of there. He was in a really tight tight Darce. Yeah, and and I mean, that's that's how you get the draw. There's a name. That's how you get the draw for for both these guys because... uh, the first two rounds were won by Grant Dawson. The third won by Ricky Glenn with with a 10-8. And that's how you get 28-28. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have seen some confusion online today that people are saying, well, two judges scored it a draw, and then one judge gave it to Dawson, so therefore Dawson should win because he's the only winner. It was the only decision made. And that's not true. Uh, coming to a tie in your mind or a draw, um, that is a decision. So, I mean, we call a fight a draw, but when it's a draw across the board, it's a unanimous decision. The decision is that it's a draw. Tonight, it's a majority draw, um, but, you know, it kind of gets confusing to, to certain people. Because I think some people think that when, uh, when one fighter, uh, you know, doesn't win a round, he doesn't, or doesn't win the fight, and it's a draw, like, there's no points scored. Like, no, no, that's not how the judge's decision works. Uh, just because there's, you know, one person that scored it uh, f- for uh, Dawson doesn't mean that he won because the other two scored it for nobody. Uh, a draw is a decision, and it's one that is it's really hard to come by, and uh, that's what we saw tonight. Yeah. So um, I think we I think the the best resolution to this is just let him fight again. I mean, I'm not gonna be mad at it. You know, there, there's it was a great it was a fun fight. Let's fight again. More often than not, when we have situations like this, like again, even in our main event, it was a great fight the rematch is just going to be bigger. So no harm, no foul in, in trying to make a, uh, uh, a rematch. I, I, I like it. Um, I'd also like it if people gave us a call today. 917-UFC Talk is the number. 917-832-8255. You can get at us on Twitter as well. Uh, at TJ DeSantis, at Pearl Gonzalez. Uh, use the hashtag uh, extra rounds, of course. We are at UFC Fight Pass. Let's talk a little bit about a, another fight. Uh, Jessica Rose Clark back in action for the first time in two years. Uh, she takes home a unanimous decision over Jocelyn Edwards. Uh, 30-27 twice for uh, the Aussie and then 29-28 uh, again uh, for Jessica Rose Clark. Your thoughts on her first performance back inside the Octagon after uh, quite a long layoff? You know, this is a great fight. It was interesting because uh, Jessica Rose Clark has such incredible striking. 
right? And she must have felt something in this fight that uh, we didn't necessarily see. And I looked at Jocelyn Edwards, her demeanor and, and, and in this fight, and she looked very strong and kind of coming forward. And she did ha- do a great job of throwing these combinations. So I wasn't sure why, why Jessica Rose Clark didn't utilize her um, any of her striking as much as I felt she could have. But she looked great. I mean, her wrestling's improved tremendously. She was able to get this fight down at will um, and control the position as soon as it hit the mat. And so that was that was a, it was a great performance. I know the commentary was kind of um, giving her a hard time, saying that she could have done more in in these grappling positions. She did have control, and they are right. But again, maybe we um, didn't see what she felt. And I even in her post fight interview, she said that. Uh, that Jocelyn was a lot, was much stronger than she anticipated. And that may have been the reason for her focusing on the control instead of focusing on damage or, or moving forward to, to look for a submission was that she just felt she was unable to control her. So that was where her fight was. And that's where she felt, you know, in, in her heart, where her fight needed to be was in the control. But hats off to her. She looked great. She just got three or 15 minutes of time in there of, of working on her grappling and her. And to me, her striking is just so beautiful. So she just helped raise the levels on every other area of her game um, and, and put out a great performance tonight. Yeah, I think that's something, too, that uh, is sort of the curse of, of broadcasters. Um, you know, when a, a fight plays out over the course of 15 minutes and, and maybe there are stand-ups and, and you know, just sort of um, stanzas where there's not a lot going on, it's easier to say, look, they should be doing more with this position. But when you factor in the knee surgery that, that Clark had to go through, the long layoff, the, the rehab, you know, coming back, um, you know, I, she's changed camps within the last two or three years. Um, you know, she, she, again, is living in, the, in training in this country, it's it's a different country than she's from. She's from Australia. There are a lot of things that athletes go through, and to, to say they should have, you know, put the pedal to the metal a, a little bit more. It's easy to say, and I, I think at, at times it's not as considerate as, as maybe you should be, because again, a two year layoff in, in mixed martial arts, like you might have half the fight just getting your timing back. It, it can be that difficult, and, and fighting is one hundred percent timing like when people talk about sparring i don't think people spar you can correct me if i'm wrong pearl i don't think people necessarily spar to take punishment or even give punishment it's just to get more acclimated to what a fight feels like and that timing and speed and agility that you need to be you know on point for come come fight night absolutely and and there may be you know again in the moment where she might have felt jocelyn's uh strength and she might have felt her resistance to her takedowns and, and to her being on the ground and also felt the power in her strikes and was like, I don't want to play this game. I'm not, I, I want to work on, I need to control her and I don't want to let her go. And, and so um, I think that that may have been it too. And again, two year layoff, you're, you're uncertain yet where your body is, how, where your skills are in, in this division, especially in the UFC. So it could have been a great feeling out period for her. Nevertheless, she got her hand raised in here. She was dominant in every single round. And she, she walked out of the cage a much better fighter, a much better grappler at that. And so I think that at the, end of, at the end of the day, for any fighter, that is the goal, to get better, to get, to get the experience inside the octagon or get the experience under the bright lights and to leave better and, and, not, and avoid as much damage as possible to, to prolong your career. And, and you know what? She hit every one of those check marks tonight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it feels like anytime there's a fight, I feel like it's nighttime. You know what I mean? But 
Yeah, uh, first true. first fight today was uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time. And uh, like I said, it, it took me a while to, to get like now I'm awake. I mean, the show's pretty much almost over and I finally feel like I just arrived. Pearl, I feel bad. <laughs> Sorry. 917 <laughs> UFC Talk is the number 917-832-8255. Uh, you can also check us out uh, on podcast. Uh, we are available everywhere. Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, and now available on Facebook, which we've always been available on Facebook, but now in audio form exclusively uh, on Ooh, Facebook as well. So you can fancy. get that. Um, I got a text here. Uh, this is from, I don't know where 914 or 941 is. I don't know where that area code is, but someone in that area code wants to know, uh, Pearl, where do do I get a Pearl Gonzalez t-shirt? Um, I don't know if they mean worn by you or something that says Pearl Gonzalez on it. I have Pearl Gonzalez t-shirts. Um, Team Gonzalez 86 at gmail.com. All right. Perfect. And Nancy will take care of you. Nice. I mean, like, do they have like multiple designs to pick from or? <laughs> yeah, I've got a few shirts. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, see anything else in here? Nope. Nothing else. That's it. That's it. I, I mean, thank you guys for tweeting or thank you for texting us. Yeah. Um, I don't know where that area code is again, but uh, wherever you are. What did you eat today, TJ? I'm hungry. What did I eat today? Yeah. Um, let's see here. What did I, I had, a, I had a bowl of grape nuts. I really like that cereal. Yeah. I haven't had that in years. Wow. Okay. I, I was, I, like grape nuts. I was definitely a lot older than I should have been to realize uh, before I realized that they were not actually like the seeds of grapes, I thought they were. They weren't. Yeah, they're not. They're not they actually nuts. nuts. Yeah, grape, grape nuts. nuts. I thought they were the seeds of grapes. You know, I'm not super smart. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> you know. What's your favorite cereal? Uh, you don't want to ask me that question because, well, okay. So I'll tell you, my childhood favorite was cinnamon toast crunch. But now that I'm just like a health fanatic, I actually really love puffed brown rice because it's super plain Jane and I don't know why I love what does that mean like rice it's it's brown rice puffs it's basically rice krispies but it's brown rice cocoa pebbles cocoa pebbles was bomb it was also another one of my favorites I lived so my dad raised me and he wasn't much of a cook so what I was raised on was cereal and um ham and monster cheese sandwiches and that was basically what we had in our fridge at all times was ham, mustard cheese, milk for cereal, and then a box of cereal and bread. See, if, I, so, were, if, if I were a fighter pearl, I mean, I, I would have to have a nickname. And unfortunately, Marvin Vittori has stolen my nickname, which is the Italian dream. Um, <laughs> but if I had to come up with a nickname, it would be the cereal killer. And it would be ah, C-E-R. What's your favorite cereal? Grape nuts? Uh, no, my favorite cereal is probably Cocoa Pebbles. Do you remember that cereal? It wasn't it's not cinnamon toast crunch, but it was like an apple strudel type one. Apple Jacks? No, it was like a, it was like a, I don't know. Strudel. It was apple and cinnamon. And it looked like a toast, I thought. Like a honey bunch of, of oats? No. I have no idea what you're talking no. about. The, the, oh, I loved honeycomb. That was really good, too. Uh, the milk I, would get in the little holes, you know, and then you would just like, like a kid I went to school with uh, definitely was in a uh, no he wasn't in a honeycomb commercial he was in a corn pops commercial gotta have my pops oh yeah 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 I liked corn pops too wow these are so many cereals that I can't have that I wish I could have right now in this moment see I made a mistake I talked about my nickname the Italian dream um, it's not actually that but people in Twitch started giving me nicknames which 
Apparently, oh, yeah. they, they've they give you Dana Light, which is not. <laughs> it's not right. It's not right at all. Dana Light, that is so Dana Light. Good. I mean, I, I love that. For the record, give me, give me I, one. I don't know. I think that that's the only one that Frankie has uh, passed along to me. Um, <laughs> a lot, of, a lot of Cinnamon Toast Crunch fans in the Twitch uh, channel, as well oh, as. Oh yeah, we should do a, we should do a poll. Who has the best? The best. Who's? What's the best cereal? I mean, we and we could do we like a like, tournament. Honestly, we could match all oh, the cereals up. We but do a tournament. Uh, apparently, people are shouting out the Oreo cereal, which I didn't know Oreo had a cereal. What is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't remember that? And it would turn the milk. It would turn the milk black. It was so cool. No, it wasn't I, that I, good. I, I didn't really like it, but it was it was cool because it turned the milk black. Okay, cool. I'm I'm so happy that you're in, like intrigued by cereal that changes the color of the milk but doesn't actually taste good. It's okay. It was just like mm, it didn't taste like Oreos. I want to know what your strudel cereal is that you're talking about that you I can't, can't think about it. It was like this I, I, and I honestly haven't had cereal in years. Like I really I'm telling you I eat the puffed rice. It's well, basically rice. Cereal's I mean. terrible for you. You remember like when we were kids, yeah, they I would know. show cereal on TV and it would say part of this complete breakfast and it would have like yeah. a glass of orange juice and toast and grapefruit and it's like, dude, that, that complete breakfast is 2,500 calories. Like, I don't know what <laughs> you're trying to convince kids to eat. They're convincing them to drink the milk and eat the cereal. Duh. Yeah, but like if, it, if it's part of this complete breakfast, if that's what I need to have to have a complete breakfast, I can't have an incomplete lunch or dinner because I'm over my caloric intake for the day. That's hilarious. And it's just all sugar, too. But let me think. No, there was you know, what is really good. Have you ever had yogurt and then you put the cereal on top and then it's like I think it's, it's called crunchy, a parfait. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hungry. Um, I'm hungry. Uh, we got somebody in uh, the Twitch chat, uh, Kettle Drum 539, saying that the cereal cereal you're thinking about is called Apple Cinnamon O's. I think so. Yes. Is that the bootleg one? Is it a bootleg to the Apple Jack? I, I don't think so. But I thought it was like it looked like I can't explain it. It did not taste. It was such a weird taste, but it was like, a, I don't know. If, if, if you're just tuning in right now, it's extra rounds from UFC Fight Pass. I'm TJ DeSantis. She's Pearl Gonzalez. We normally talk about mixed martial arts, and we've done that <laughs> up until this point. But, you know, like any any good uh, fat kid, I'm I'm always down to talk about food in oh, our favorite okay, wait, breakfast wait, wait. series. So before we go anywhere else, I did want to talk about the um, co-main event on the prelims. Okay. It was such a great fight. It was Onama, Ohama. Uh-huh. See, this is why I can't do this because I can't. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Oh, Nama. I believe that's what oh, it was. Let me pull okay. it up again. Onama versus versus Jones. Right. He comes. So Onama comes in on a five day notice. He took this fight on Monday. Right. He normally fights at uh, one forty five, but he fought tonight at lightweight. Right. Comes in. Both fighters. Let me see. I mean, and they both of these dudes are trading shots back and forth. It's a back and forth fight. But Onama, and, and the commentary was giving such big praise to Jones. Jones is from Wales. They're saying he's championship material, which he looked incredible tonight. He really did. But Onama, I just had to give my hats off to him. This dude came in on a five-day notice, goes and fights in a weight class that he's not in normally. And, I mean, he ends up being the power puncher. And the, the striking from these two gentlemen, the striking exchanges that were happening was art. It was beautiful. Onama was landing his jab. The jab and it was, and the, the jab was really sitting down Jones. And the reason being wasn't necessarily that he 
had so much power, his positioning in this fight. He was able to position himself in such a great place that when he landed this jab, he was offsetting his entire, Jones's entire balance. It was an incredible fight. Unfortunately, Jones did take the win in this fight. He utilized his grappling, came in, was able to find his strength very quickly in this fight and was and weathered the storm and took this fight down. This fight was so fun, though. If you get, guys did not catch it, UFC fight pass. It was the co-main event in the prelims. What a fun fight. No, it, it really was a, a good fight. And that sort of brings me back to that point of like, Taking a fight on, on four or five days' notice is just insane at this level. I mean, we were breaking down whether or not Marvin Vittori should have taken this fight that he'd planned for for weeks, if not months, on end and just it moving up a, a weight division. Um, Vittori, I, I think his decision is a lot harder to make uh, when you factor that he's already in the UFC. But any athlete that can come in and take a fight on short notice, even if it doesn't work out for you, the fact that you show that you're willing to step up and, and just throw yourself into the fire, it goes a long way with the UFC. And uh, I always appreciate these athletes that do take these fights on short notice and go go to work and, you know, even if they don't win, put on a good performance and you know, at least set the bar uh, high so that we look forward to their uh, their return. Yes, I mean, and it was impressive, though. His, his debut tonight was impressive. The fact that he came in on this short of a notice he looked so good in there. He had power. He had these beautiful straight shots. He was in the pocket. He was a dog. He did not stop fighting until the, the final bell rang. And, um, and he also fought up a weight class, and he packed that much power. So I would love to see this dude fight in his natural weight class and really see that this is definitely someone to look out for. Um, there was one more thing I had to say about about this dude, but I can't think of it. All right. Well, if it comes to mind, uh, why don't you uh, just cut me off and, and, and tell me what it was? Uh, <laughs> but I, I want to bring up one other thing, and it kind of goes back to fighting outside of your, your weight class. When I look at uh, athletes fighting out, outside of their weight class, and I think about sort of the output that they have, it made me wonder about Paulo Costa and, and what he did tonight as far as, you know, taking that step back a little bit, uh, I believe, in the second round. Uh, when the uh, commentators, uh, Felder and, and, and Bisping, started to question his cardio. When you fought, you know, say at, at 115 compared to 125, did you have to monitor or change your offensive output in an effort to not, uh, you know, expend too much energy early in a fight? Was, was it a different sort of uh, pace that you could keep at one weight class over the other? Yes, I believe that for me in the heavier weight class, I was able to perform more. I was able to have more more of an output because I wasn't depleted from the, the weight cut. The weight cut for me at 115 was really hard. And, um, you know, now I have much better control and much more discipline over my diet and, and, and could make 115 if I had to. It would not be fun, but I could. However, at 125, I'm healthy. I'm not cutting weight. I'm not running two hours and spending two hours you know, like the last three weeks of a one fifteen for me was spent in the sauna for a couple hours and, and on a treadmill and, and trying to get this weight up. And so at one twenty five, I would naturally walk around. I mean, now I'm 135 pounds. So net my, and my natural weight is anywhere from one thirty two to one thirty five. So uh, I think that at, at the heavier weight class, I was able to focus more on the skills to come in feeling fresher, my mind isn't boggled, my body isn't tired, I'm not feeling dehydrated and drained from the cut, so I can come out and just, I feel like a million bucks to go out there and fight. 
Um, at the lighter weight class, yes, I was concerned. I had to be conservative at times with my energy because the weight cut for me was my biggest fight at this at this point. And then I get into the performance and the time when the fight really matters and I'm depleted and my brain is like goo because I, I you know, I just spent all this time trying to get this weight off. Yeah. It is. It, it's very difficult. And so, you know, again, I, I would like to I really want to figure out I hope we can talk about this next week, uh, the, the Costa situation and what happened in this cut here and, and the weight. But it does. It plays a significant factor in, in the athlete's ability to perform and the way that, that they perform is the weight cut. And, um, you know, I, I, I thought that uh, Costa would come out a little bit more aggressive and put out more output because of this uh, weight cut. And so I don't think that that happened tonight. But I also think it wasn't due to conditioning or phys- his physicalities. I think it was more the pressure, the energy, the emotions that happened for, for Costa. This was a very emotional fight for him. And he wasn't just fighting Vittoria. If you really look at this fight, he's fighting everybody because everybody's ridiculing him. The press is just murdering him right now for this weight issue. I'm sure that the UFC officials are not very happy with him. So he had a much bigger fight than just the fight that he had to come out and perform tonight and i i believe that was what what was the you know the 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 factor in how he performed tonight had he come out like he did in that fifth round i I, again i think that this would be a very different fight and we would be talking about a much different fight vittori though not cutting this weight i think this played very much into his favor he came out he looked fresh he, he he had more volume he was much faster um, he looked great. He looked really good tonight. It, it was impressive to see how he weathered this monster. Like that's what Costa is. He's just this big, scary monster packed with so much power. I mean, and he faced this bull head on and just looked so incredible today. Um, and I do believe that that was a big part of him not having to cut 20 pounds. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and looking at Costa moving forward, it sounds like, uh, according to Dana White uh, from the press conference, uh, producer Frankie's told me that Dana believes that Costa's going to be a 205-pound fighter moving forward. Now, whether or not he is going to stay there, I mean, that's another question altogether. I mean, I, I would assume that he probably has some desire still to move back down to 185 pounds. But again, we don't know what prevented him from getting there this week in the first place. So with that said, maybe we are going to uh, sort of have to expect Costa competing at light heavyweight, which again sort of opens up a lot of in- interesting fights and intriguing sort of scenarios. I, I don't think that Paulo Costa fighting at 205 pounds is-, is a bad thing. And I think that we would get a new contender here at 205 that just spices up that division significantly. I love it. I love the idea of him moving up there and, and if he can get his body under control and, and get his weight down, we don't know yet the underlying. There could be health issues, and that's kind of what concerns me is there's some underlying health issues that we are unaware of right now. Um, but whatever is happening with him emotionally, physically, whatnot, like he would look great at 205. And he, there are some fun fights for him there, and I believe that he would be the, the more athletic, so to speak, fighter i mean he just got comes from a lighter weight class you you have to think that he would be able to move move 
move around much better at these, this heavier weight class. Right. You know, uh, maybe this is sort of irresponsible to do because I'm, I'm going to ask you to uh, basically guess and, and, and put your detective cap on a little bit. But I, I think that we have some information that is important to try to maybe draw something from. Um, if you remember during our midweek show, we talked about Costa saying that he couldn't fight Vittori at 185. And this was on Wednesday that he said this. Uh, he said that he weighed 212 pounds. Uh, tonight, we find out that he enters the octagon during our main event at 220 pounds. Can we look at that eight pound swing from Wednesday to tonight and sort of deduce anything from it? Because to me, it seems like he was already a bit dehydrated, Pearl, at 212. And if he was weighing 220 pounds come fight time, he, he was a lot bigger than anyone even really knew. I thought, to my understanding, he was two thirty, but I don't know where I heard that from. I could have, I could have dreamed that or something. <laughs> Dream, dreamed, dreamed. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm not dreaming of Holocaust or anything, but I feel like there. I heard somewhere he was two thirty. Fight week. I mean, I know he was two hundred. I know he was two hundred twenty pounds tonight. Okay, so then that doesn't make sense. So yeah, I'm tripping. But you know, I think that. Wait, what was the question again? I'm lost. Should we deduce anything from that information? Like, if he was at 212 and yeah. he was 220 tonight, was he at 212 because he was already somewhat dehydrated, that he had already started his cut? Um, and if so, yeah. are we to think that 185 is, is probably no longer really a, an option? I definitely believe that, yes. Because when you looked at him in his in his uh press conference his media his media things that he did earlier this week he didn't look like he was just wonderful and happy and having a great time like you could tell he was cutting some way you could tell that he was you know he didn't have that pep in his step like he normally does on his uh media or any other time outside of a fight camp and fight week and so um yeah i do i do absolutely believe that one or 205 is is somewhere that he should test the waters and see until he can get his body under control if if 185 is where he really wants to be but 220 like why kill yourself to go all the way down to 185 you, you to me when you do that when 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 you you have to make a decision in in these fights and especially these huge fights where the the competition is at it at its peak right these are the elite of the elite it's, it's one fight or the other. Which one are you going to give more to? The weight cut or to the fight? And you have to be very mindful on, on how you're going to do this, right? Why would you give up so much weight? To me, that just it, it, it shortens the longevity of your career, having to cut so much weight. I, me personally, I feel like some of my weight cuts took some years off of my life because there was times where I was like, I'm going to fucking die. I'm going to die. Cut my hair, shave my head. I don't fucking I'll do something because I can't cut any more weight. Like it was horrible. My body was shutting down. I have pictures. I'm in tears. Like I don't think I've gone through something more traumatic personally, myself health wise or, or with my body than a weight cut. I mean, I've had, it's so intense and a lot of fighters don't show it. I think that we're doing much better today with, with the knowledge we're learning more about the weight cuts and fighters are, are doing much better, but still, man, some of these weight cuts are intense and they're detrimental to our health. We don't know what these are doing to us long-term. And so when you talk about him being 220 fight night to fight at 185, it makes no sense. That's like a, that's like a mini human right. losing a mini human. Right. Why? And, why? And, and why do that? 
think about that's coast at the end of a training camp too. Like he's in, he's in great shape. So what happens right. when he's not training in a, in a camp? He, is he walking at two forty? Possibly, I don't know. Uh, but I mean, that that's essentially a, that's an ins- he was ripped too, right? And, and that's the he other thing too. His his body composition, it, like not every two hundred and twenty pound man is created equally. Uh, you know, once you get beyond the uh, the the skin, there. You know, a lot of people have uh, different different. Like again, I, I might weigh two hundred and forty pounds. My two forty is going to look a lot different than Paula Costa's two forty. In case you didn't know, Pearl. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they call me the yeah. Italian. Dream. I wouldn't have guessed. I wouldn't have guessed. Yeah, yeah I'm, 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 not a, wow. I'm not a good liar. I'm, shocked. I'm not a good liar. Thank you. Thank I, you. Oh, my God. Really? Mm-hmm. I thought you looked just like Costa. Uh, are you going to dress up for Halloween next weekend or what? Oh, yeah. I, I'm, are we? I don't know. I mean, going? apparently I'm Dana White's like doppelganger. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. Dana Light. Yeah, I'm Dana Light. <laughs> I'm Dana with poor eyesight. Light. White. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I don't know. Can they, can can we still receive text after our, our thing is over? Because uh, oh, yeah. if he has any ideas ideas for me for Halloween, please send them over because I'm lazy. I'm so lazy right now. Like, I don't know what I want to be for. No, um, I- give me a hat. Manny tells me all the time, there's a broom. There's your car right there. Go get your car. You parked your car in the wrong place and it's a broom. So, so I could be a witch, but I need a hat. All right. Um, only Manny's ever going to say that to you. I'm not going to say that to you. Um <laughs> You'll be my ass. Uh, no, the, we can accept text messages all the time, by the way. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I forgot to turn off the little text app last night. And at four o'clock in the morning, I got one that said, is this live right now? No, it's not. It's not. But th- thanks for checking, buddy. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So we should have a cereal contest or a cereal eating contest. But, but it it has to be when I'm not fighting soon. So, OK, I mean, like. It's got to be good cereal. It can't be your. Yeah, we could test like five different ones and we should just do like the cereal, like who's the cereal champion or who's the best cereal or something. Just gives me a reason to try a shit ton of cereal. What's your least favorite cereal? My least favorite cereal. I don't know. I feel like cereal is always just so full of sugar. It always tastes so good. I just I can't do marshmallows. Uh, like no Lucky Charms for oh, me. I love. My, oh, I literally go and eat, just eat the marshmallows. I don't even want the charm or no, no. What is yeah. it? What's the other one? No, no. That, I mean, that's. I don't know what are the lucky the charms. charms. The I would assume so. I don't know what I you call the other part. Charms. Kibble, maybe. Maybe it's just kibble. Yeah, I don't. the kibble. Because I don't like that. But I'll eat all. Of, I'll literally sit there and just pick out the marshmallows. And it's, eat marshmallows. it's not kibble. Kibble are for dogs, Pearl. That's what. Yeah, I know. All right. It sounds right. It you makes sense. You sound like you got a runny nose, and uh, yeah, I am. I'm still. I've been battling a cold for okay. over a week now. Well, you go continue your battle with the cold, and uh, <laughs> I'll let you know what the people say about uh, about uh, what we should dress up as for Halloween next week. And uh, I'll talk to you on Wednesday as we look forward to uh, the stacked UFC 267 card, two title fights, uh, interim bantamweight championship on the line. Uh, When Peter Jan takes on Corey Sanhagen, Jan Blahovich taking on Glover Teixeira. I love the fact that Glover Teixeira is fighting for a light heavyweight title. Like, it's it's amazing. Yeah. What time is that fight next week? That's a great question. I don't don't have that information in front of me. Maybe I do. Hang on. If I go over here and I look here, uh, 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. That's 8.30 in the morning out here on the West Coast. So No, 7.30. 7.30. Oh, wait. Yeah, 7.30. Man, look at you helping me with math. 7.30. It's even worse. Look, Dana's behind me. See? 
We look nothing alike. You missed it. <laughs> anyway. All right, Pearl. Thank you. Toodles. See you. She's Pearl Gonzalez. I'm TJ DeSantis. It is extra rounds here on UFC Fight Pass. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. I'll tell you everything you need to know, including a uh, correct start time for next week's uh, UFC 267 card. So stick around. It's extra rounds on UFC Fight Pass. Chuck Norris, man of action. Chuck Norris stars in Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. Chuck Norris, he's got nerves of steel and strength to match. Chuck Norris with his team, Pepper. It's too dangerous, Chuck. What? Too much. Too much. Kimo, the Samurai Warrior. Reed, Chuck's teenage apprentice. Tabe, the sumo champion. With Chuck Norris, they battle the sinister forces of the Claw. Remember this. And the ruthless Super Ninja. I'll finish Norris! Chuck Norris stars in Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. We told you off the top it was going to be a great show. Look. Fuck, we don't lie to you. Look at this. What the Notice that I am also bald. I think I gotta move my camera because you look like Cyclops when you move back. Dustin, look, he's he's matured into a great fighter. The biggest bank heist in the history of the world, you're not surprised. He was fearless. I want to be remembered as one of the greatest female fighters. Back here on Extra Rounds, courtesy of UFC Fight Pass. I'm TJ DeSantis. Putting a bow on things for this post-event coverage of UFC Vegas 41. We are back next week, of course, for UFC 267. Two titles on the line as this uh, awesome card emanates from Fight Island over there in the UAE. Your main events, we see a uh, phenomenal light heavyweight championship out between the reigning and defending champ, Jan Blahovic, taking on Glover Teixeira, and then an interim bantamweight champion will be crowned when Peter Jan takes on Corey Sandhagen. If you're watching live right now on Twitch, you should know that there is a watch-along going on for UFC 267. You should tune in for that. It's going to be a long day of fights, and uh, Twitch always seems to uh, enhance the experience, uh, but the experience uh, starting early. Uh, Fight Pass prelim starting at 7.30 a.m. Pacific time. Um, that is 10.30 a.m. on the uh, East Coast, and then you got your uh, prelims starting at uh, 9 West Coast time, so that's noon Eastern, and then uh, your main card starting at 11 a.m. Pacific time, uh, so that tells me it is 2 p.m. on the East Coast. Pearl Gonzalez and I will be back coming up on Wednesday or Thursday, one of those two days, for a preview show of UFC 267. I might have Dean Thomas on the show, uh, hopefully. I'm trying to connect with Dean. Ray Longo, he always sends his love. Uh, so hopefully we can get uh, Dean and Ray mixed into uh, the broadcast relatively soon. Let's not forget Madison Square Garden coming up here in a couple weeks as well. Uh, that, that's another great fight card. So back-to-back uh, weekends of championship fights uh, for the UFC. 
and uh, just another uh, long line of fights that have been going on for which seems like every single weekend UFC has been uh, handing out pretty phenomenal fight cards and tonight uh, was no different if you missed it in our main event Marvin Vittori victorious over Paulo Costa a unanimous decision goes the way of the Italian dream 48-46 across the board there was a point deduction uh, from Costa for an inadvertent eye poke if you missed any part of this broadcast you should uh, check it out we are archived the video uh, on Facebook and Twitch you can also check out the podcast in audio form wherever you get podcasts including Facebook now so just go over and the UFC Fight Pass Facebook page and uh, you should see a podcast tab and you can listen to us uh, over there but if you're not into listening to podcasts on Facebook get it wherever you get podcasts Apple, Spotify Google Play etc alright that's it thanks for not staying up late because it's early go about your day and be productive and, and have fun for Pearl Gonzalez I'm TJ DeSantis we'll see you next time for more Extra Rounds from UFC Fight Pass this concludes our live broadcast of Extra Rounds are we still on the air? watch the archive anytime on UFC Fight Pass or facebook.com slash UFC Fight Pass you can also listen to the show on Apple Podcasts Spotify iHeartRadio or anywhere you listen to podcasts 